So last week in the History Initiative, we talked about the detours that we were going to take in the love it, the live it, and the share it conversation. Those detours involving a, pro- a longer process. That yeah, sure, the goals are great and they're numeric and all that fun stuff that people like, but the journey to those is going to be a different route. In fact, we talked about in each of them, the love it was focusing on the, the church that is here, that we are going to minister to the church God has brought here. And then as we minister and care about each other, we're going to be focusing in on kind of our facilities and stuff to help um, continue to build the stronger foundation. Second was on the live it to really engage in an ability to seek out health and to fill in holes in our staff and our in our leadership, but also to call all of us to a deeper place, walking with Christ and ministering to others in all these pieces in that living out God's story. But the third one was, again, sharing his story, whether locally or globally, and really the continuance of what we've been doing in those places. Check that out on the podcast if you weren't here last week, and you can kind of go through that there. But In the meantime, we're going to be talking about something else. I left you with a simple assignment last Sunday, and that was to spend your week praying and asking God, God, what is it that you called me to? What is my next step? Where am I supposed to go from here? Instead of just coming in and me throwing it at you. Some of you guys are coming in, and I'm going to toss up some ideas and some direction, but as we think about this, it leads me to um, a very recent experience, actually happened yesterday, and that is the experience of science fair projects. Anybody else ever done a science fair project? with their kids or speaking of family ministry I believe it's a rite of passage for parents and um, while parent while teachers you think you're assigning science for projects to teach kids science I believe it's a vast conspiracy by scientists to teach parents what science is And, and so because let's face it I thought I was doing my science for project as a kid my parents did my science for project isn't that true it's like amen I mean, you guys are the greatest scientists in the world. I'm just going to tell you that right now because we've all done a science fair project at some point. And in the meantime, what I've got at home is not a bunch of kids learning science. I've got a bunch of kids who are falling apart going, it's, it's a project. And they're like shaking on the ground and it's just this mess. I'm kind of trying to help them up and keep moving. You're okay. Keep taking, keep going. You're almost there. What's a question? What's a hypothesis? I don't know. I don't try to answer the question. And so, and what I've taught them is a project after you've gotten past the emotion emotional turmoil of them is actually just taking one step at a time. Isn't that true, project managers? All you guys who are project managers out there know what the emotional experience is at the beginning of any project. The overwhelmed feeling, the amazed uh, at, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. And then you realize you break it down step by step. How to eat an elephant? Bite by bite. You just one step at a time. And then that's, by the time you get that last step, you look back and Wow, the project's done. You're able to go on to the next one. And that's really what I want to remind us here. That at a church is just a large body of people or a small body of people, either way, who are walking in their spiritual journey with Christ one step at a time. And then I need you guys to think in those terms as we think about what God is doing in the church because it's about you and I being faithful in the next step. See, in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 6, it's very simple. It's laid out to us this conversation that, hey, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus in the Lord, so walk in him. Often, Paul uses this analogy of walking, this analogy of, of, of for life. The way that you went about life in the first century, all the way up for many, many centuries until just recently, was walking. And you can't go very far just walking, but you had to keep putting one step in front of the other. If you were going to go anywhere, if life was going to happen, you were moving by walking. And that's really the picture here for a spiritual life, that you and I need to be living out a spiritual journey 
walking forward, one step at a time. And my question this morning is really, as we try to do big things and we realize that needs to be done one step at a time, what's the next step for you? What is your next step? Because I don't want you to get stuck. In fact, when we dive into our spiritual growth campaign this year, we're going to talk very similarly about this idea. We're going to unpack the concept of getting settled down in your faith. And really, we don't want you to do that. We want you to really ask that question this year. What's the next step? Where am I going? It's one thing to walk, but if you walk with a direction, if you walk with a focus, you end up going to where you aim at. And this year, in 2016, we've laid out what the love and the live and the share and all this stuff is in these detours. But our goal is to say, this is the direction we want to be trying to walk together in. What is the next step that each of us should take? Because it's going to be different. I can't sit down with every individual in this room and tell you what your next step is. But you need to sit down and look and examine and talk with the Lord and look at the Word of God and say, God, what is the next step that I'm supposed to take? And what I'm going to do here this morning, if you're a guest and you've never been to Olive Branch before, you're kind of in for kind of a, almost an infomercial of the church. You're like, oh, great. But it's just kind of an encouragement to you that what you're going to see is kind of how things are moved forward, how we take steps. And again, the point isn't that this is how you should grow. This isn't a law. Spiritual growth isn't linear. But we lay it out in a manner to help you know kind of, hey, where could I go next? Where could I take that next step? So we're going to kind of unpack this so you can kind of an inside look at how we work and what we're doing. And so you can, and the next week we're, we're going to dive back into the Word of God a little bit more. But we're going to bring the Bible to bear. But I really want to talk about these next steps. And, and for all of us here, I'm going to talk about next steps in four different categories. And the first category is kind of the controversial one. So we'll deal with it first. And that is the next step in, well, we'll talk about it in a second, in giving. And the next step in giving is really about this idea of, hey, all of us understand that we're supposed to give. All of us understand that we should live our finances with, one hand, with a hand open and not a hand closed because you can't put anything in and nobody can take anything out, that old picture. And so our financial life is about one of the most important pictures Jesus paints for us. And so I don't want to ignore that. I don't want to challenge us to think about that this year because honestly, there's, a, there's kind of two aspects to our giving that addresses our hearts over the year. And that is there is a spiritual benefit and a communal benefit that occurs when a church is a giving church. When a church is out to give, when we are taking the next step in our giving, you will find that yourself, there's a blessing spiritually, but there's also a blessing communally. In fact, when we talk about giving in our, in our membership class, we often talk about it in the community section. We don't necessarily talk about it in your spiritual growth section. And the reason why is I think people get, hey, I'm giving, but how am I giving to God? And yet, this is what it does. This is what giving happens. Jesus has two, a, a whole section about money in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. And when we look at this Sermon on the Mount, we end up with a very real set of practical outcomes. First is this, that he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one, the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Jesus sets up this dichotomy, this, this very strong picture of, on, of two masters telling us how to live. On one side is God, who knows you perfectly, knows your needs, knows everything about you, knows what you need, when you need. In fact, he, if you're a Christian, he's called your father. He cares about you like a good father does. He's going to be in your life and, and investing in you. He's a person. On the other side... You've got money. It doesn't know you. 
It doesn't care about you. It's impersonal. It comes and it goes. In fact, it's controlled by other people. And the reality that Jesus is getting at is he's trying to stir us up to who are we serving, who are we worrying about. And the reality is that giving is a great indicator of a spiritual direction. See, if, if we are the kind of people that hold on to our money, oftentimes we're looking at the bottom line. Some of us may even claim, hey, we're just trying to be good stewards. And you're looking at the bottom line of your budgets and you're looking at your stuff. And what you're seeing is that, hey, we don't have room to give this year. That we just, We're just booked up solid. And so when a problem happens, when an emergency occurs, the first thing you're going to check is hey, can I use my credit card on this one? Hey, do we have emergency fund and how's that going? Where are we at financially because of the car problem, because of the insurance problem, because of the you name it problem that comes into your life? Do you run first to that or do you find yourself in prayer? And I'm not talking about the old God help, not that prayer. I'm talking about literally the prayer that you're getting in, you're going, God, this is a problem, but you're my good father. You know what I need before I've even asked for it. Will you help me here? Will you show me the right route? Will you give me wisdom? Where do you lean in the midst of an emergency? Where do you run when the problems rise up? And that's what Jesus is getting at because the majority of the American world, let's be honest, runs to our checkbook. And so when a pastor steps up and says, hey guys, part of your discipleship is to be always constantly growing and giving, people go, no way. Do you know what kind of crisis that would create in my life? I don't have margin for this. There's no room for that. And Jesus is saying, spiritually, what you're doing is you're teaching yourself and you're leading your life to obey one God over another. And so a giving life actually is a constant practice. The reason we pass the bags around here is because it offers the opportunity for you to practice releasing control over your life to your Father who loves you in heaven. So this is a spiritual benefit, but there's also a communal benefit. In fact, two verses earlier, Jesus puts it this way. He says, Lay, lay up your treasures in heaven. Because where, or he actually, he's talking about where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And he's talking about what you care about is what you put your money towards. You care about your kids, you put your money in your kids. If you care about your home, you put your money in your home. If you care about something else, you put your money towards it. That, that's a common reality. Isn't that true? And what's interesting about that financial reality is that Jesus has told us what we should care about. The second great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. How do we love our neighbors? How do we show that we really care about people that surround us, especially our brothers and sisters here in this room, except for the fact that we can offer our services, and some of you don't have the time, but that's why we give. Giving actually is an opportunity to say, my heart is with the people here. My heart is with people my heart is to care because guess what? When you give, it goes into an ability for all of us pulling together the ability to minister to others. See, ministry is about meeting needs. Isn't that right? Ministry is not, anytime a church starts creating ministries to just support the fact that church exists, hey, this exists just because it needs to exist and that's what a church is, that's a bad ministry. It could have 100 people in it, it could have three people in it. But when a ministry exists not to meet a need, it's not ministering. It's doing something else. And the goal is to have a ministry that meets needs, that connects with the need of a person to help them, aid them, and enable their spiritual development and their life forward in the kingdom of God. We give in a church because we're caring about each other. There's a communal reality, and our hearts are supposed to be for one another. 
And so this is kind of those two spiritual blessings that come out of that. So what do you do? What do you mean? What's my next step in giving? Well, there are steps here. There are, in many cases, the opportunity in all of this, in all of Christian living, to kind of just start. Some of you guys need to just get on the ladder of giving here. And what's going on is you're kind of stepping forward and saying, hey, I want to be a part of this discipleship in my finances. And it starts with, hey, first time giving. A lot of you started for the first time last year. I, I filled out, a, I wrote a lot of cards last year, got a good hand cramp many times just saying, thank you for your generosity. No, this doesn't mean you give a ton. It doesn't mean you don't give anything. People are on different levels of what they can give. The beautiful thing is that why I always say thank you for your generosity is because the second you start giving, you're being more generous than the average American. And that's incredible that you guys have this great opportunity just to step up and say, I want to care about the people that I'm around every Sunday, that I'm around my small groups, that I'm doing ministry towards, and I want to see that I'm declaring to God, I trust you. And many of you just stepped forward and said, hey, first time I'm doing this. Maybe it's time to step up to occasional giving then. Some of you guys, that's where it's at. I mean, some, some pastors are called a snarkly tip giving. It's like, into the service, and you're like, oh, it's good, good sermon. Okay, I'll give this week. And that's not really what's going on. What often happens is occasional givers, what you're doing is you're looking at your checkbook. You're looking, you got a bonus or something. You're going, hey, yeah, let's give something to God. We got some margin this week. And so when you give occasionally, you're giving when you got the opportunity to give. It's opportunity giving. And many people give for opportunities. They hear, hey, we want to build a well in somewhere. And we're like, yeah, we're in. That's American giving, opportunity giving. It's occasional giving. And it's a good thing. In fact, we, there's opportunities to give. We're, we're trying to uh, set up a bunch of chairs, have some new chairs for the students. In fact, you want to see what the ugly chairs are that are down there. Chris has a couple out by the, the sign-up table and you can, you can go sit on one, see how that works. But the reality is that we're just trying to say, hey, we want to give the students a place to sit that is nice. And we said, hey, there's about 55 bucks a chair. If you want to jump in, that's cool. If you're already giving to the History Initiative, you're already giving to the church, then, then just sign up because we really are asking you to pray over these chairs first. And second, to be there on our grand reopening day, take a Sharpie and just fill out your prayer on the bottom of that, on the bottom of that chair. And what you're doing is kind of like a memorial to God. God, I want to know that the students here are getting discipled, they're being transformed, they're reaching their friends. It's just a simple way to participate. That's an occasional giving opportunity. Maybe it's your first time you want to jump in like that and just say, hey, I want to, I want to be a part of that. Awesome. Maybe it's that you're here, hey, we're paying off debt. Whatever it is for you that gets you engaged, awesome. Because it makes you more like your Lord who gave. In fact, moves to the next level. God constantly gives. God gives intentionally. And that's kind of that, the next space for many people is just go, okay, I'm not just going to give once in a great while. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to dive in and I'm going to look at my budget. I'm going to set apart something. In fact, my buddy Brent loves to talk about this all the time. First time he was ever introduced as a young Christian to the idea of tithing, giving 10% of your income, he, he and his wife were like, that's ridiculous. We don't have any room. That ain't going to happen. There's no way. And the wise woman who was teaching that class leaned over to him and said, well, then just give something. Start, start a little bit. Start at 2%. Start at 4 Pick something and start with it and see what God does. So like, hey, no, there's no harm in that. We want to we trust God. We want to do what he says. Okay, so they started, I think it was at 4% or something like that. And within the end of two months, they were at 10%. And they're going like, where in the world? Why do we have all this money we didn't have before? There was no margin in our budget before. And now it's plenty there. How many of you had an experience like that? 
It's ridiculous. Everybody's got their like crazy tithe story. Anybody got a crazy, you know, crazy tithe? We didn't have any month this month and we were out of cash and we'd give, we wrote our check tithe in faith and this money showed up in the mail. Anybody got that story? I mean, I've heard that. Okay, there's, see, not many times it happens. It's, it's weird. But God loves to show that he's your father. He loves to step in and say, you trust me, I've got you. I love you. Now, there are other people who are like, I paid my tithe check. It bounced. I've been in a horrible situation. <laughs> But pastors will never say, raise your hand if that was yours. So it happens. It does happen. So I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen. But start somewhere and start appropriate. If you're like buried in debt and you're like drowning, yeah, probably not a great idea to just go, hey, I'm going to throw money at the church. Yeah, that's a, you know, be wise, pray through that. But eventually the goal, maybe some of you guys are finally at that place. You've been given intentionally for years and now it's time. God has gotten you to that place. It's ready to go. I would like to, I'm going to move to the tithe. I'm going to step up. I'm going to really challenge myself. And some of you guys have moved beyond that to sacrificial where you're saying, you know what? I'm not even going to, I'm not going to stay at the tithe. I'm going to step beyond it. I'm going to be a radically hilarious giver like it talks about in the Bible. I just want to give to the best way that I can. And some of you guys tie to the church and give to other ministries or you, or, or you just, you give to the church because you care because that's where your heart is. Awesome. The whole goal in this is not to say, we, we need your money. We want your money. No, it'd be great to do some awesome things. You guys have given incredibly in the last year. Um, in, in the last year, we've seen a lot of great giving. People have given more. One of the beautiful things about our church is simply in our, in our entire overview of our finances that we had before we launched it last year is that this church is not based on one individual. When one guy doesn't have to like, oh, that guy died. Um, we need 20 of you to step up now because we're going to fall. No, it is so evenly spread in our church by you guys just being faithful givers. It's super encouraging. And so just, we, we just want to say, continue, keep going, Olive Branch. Keep declaring Jesus is your Lord and saying, money is a great tool. Let God use it as he calls you to. And so pray through that. Maybe how can you take that next step this year? Now, let's move on though, because there's other things to take a next step in, like our spiritual journey, like disciples following Jesus Christ. What is that next step for you? Because there needs to be one. Again, Colossians puts it this way. Uh, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And the way that you received him, eager in faith, he's saying you should walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. To me, there's a pattern here going on. There's this idea of being rooted, there's this idea of being built up, and there's this idea of being established. We want to encourage you. What is this first step for you this year? What is this next step? Some of you guys aren't even Christians yet, and I want to encourage you in something. Maybe you need to explore what this faith is about. Explore the reality that Jesus Christ has lit, was a human being who walked on this earth, died for your sins, on a cross in 33 AD, rose from the dead in history to show you that God loves you and he's willing to forgive you of your sins and give you an opportunity to know him and have an intimate relationship with him. He, he was your substitute. Maybe you need to dive into that and look at that and ask your questions. Now it's what we would call a starting point, a first step. And starting point is designed as a place. It's not a 10-week class. It's an eight-week discussion. And then this discussion, what you have, is an opportunity to really kind of dive in in a group and explore the questions of faith. Explore the gospel. What is it? How does it work? What does it mean? What's this law stuff? I don't get it. Some of you are Christians and you're just like, 
yeah, I'm a Christian, somebody, and, and you're going to go to this party later today, and they're going to lean over and say, oh, you're one of them church people, huh? And you're going to be like, I, 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 explain to me how this works, and then throw their big-time question they just read on the internet at you, and you're going to be like going, mommy, um, I'm going to call Brent Branchod. And so his, uh, his email, uh, no, just kidding. The, the idea is that you're going to have questions. Well, wouldn't you be loved to have at least the basics? Just a simple sense of like, hey, I at least know why I believe what I believe to a certain extent. You, you couldn't answer them the huge questions of genocide and all that crazy stuff. But you're like, hey, I, I got a sense of why I believe what I believe. That's what starting point's for. It's just set those roots, as it said in Colossians. You're rooted. And the reason why you need to be rooted is not because you need to answer somebody's questions. It's because hard times are going to come. Everyone will go through hard times in life. Everyone is going to watch their, their faith get pummeled and pounded. And what Jesus said is that, hey, some of us, we're just not going to get rooted. And that, that hard time is going to wipe out your faith. It's just going to eviscerate it. And we, want to, we don't want to see anybody wind up like that. We want to see you knowing why you believe and truly walking in that belief. And so that's there. But the second thing then is to get up in front of the congregation and not verbally have to say this, but what we do is we do baptisms. And baptism is an opportunity for you to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm doing what Jesus did. I want to be after him. And I want to tell everybody about it. And some of us have not been, uh, been baptized. And I personally would just challenge you. I'd say, I think you need to take that step but I've been following Jesus for years and years and years. And I say, that's great. Jesus got baptized and he was Jesus. He was 33, never sinned, had it all down, had a perfect relationship with God. And he goes, I'm getting in the water. And John baptized him. Why? He said, so that all righteousness would be fulfilled. He just wanted to obey his father. Later, Jesus would get up in front of the crowd of his own disciples. He'd say, listen to me. Go make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A call to the church to baptize people. And, the ch- and what we do is we rise up and we identify with Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're at the beginning of your faith walk or you've been 33 years in. is to get up and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's coming back for me. And you know what? I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. And you invite your family. You invite your friends. You invite your non-Christian coworkers. And you say, I'm making a declaration today. And you have them in here. And we cheer and celebrate as you stand up and make a public declaration of the faith that exists within you. And that's really what that's about. Maybe Easter is that time. It's time to say, you know what? I've been playing this game too long. I've been kind of like toe in, toe out. Yes, no. You know, grow a backbone because it's going to be scary. But don't worry about it. You're going to be shivering. It's cold. So, but it's opportunity to physically display the gospel to somebody in your life and to the church and say, I'm in. Another way that we talk about this I'm in, though, is, is an interesting thing. It's called membership. I talked about it last week just briefly. But membership's an interesting thing. How many of you guys played sports? Anybody play sports in high school? Do you remember your hell week? Every sport has hell week. Football's hell week is like the one everybody's talking about. Basketball had the same thing. I played basketball in high school, and when I got to varsity, you had your hell week. And one of the parts of hell week was they sat you down, and they talked through their philosophy of, uh, their philosophy of ministry, philosophy of, of sports play. Anybody remember that? Where you got kind of, they either handed you the book with all the plays in it, typically in football, or in basketball, they talked about how the plays worked. And they would describe every play, what they would call, what it meant when they called that, all that stuff. 
about. Well, I can remember sitting in that meeting, and it was always about, hey, all these calls, but then always constantly, my coach, Joe Robles, would yell at me, defense wins championships. It's all about defense. It's all about defense. It's all about defense. And so we left going, it's all about defense. It's all about defense. For me, it was nothing about defense. It was all about the bench. So, I mean, I just sat on that thing forever. I was like, D-bench, D-bench, yes, this is awesome. Go, guys, you know, watch my team play ball while I'm sitting there going, when do I get in? I was like a third string, it's horrible. Anyway, so the reality was that I, I knew that I was in, though. I was there, but I was on the bench. Some of you guys are on the bench, you need to get in the game. You take in our membership class, you know what's going on, you understand where we're headed, but hey, you gotta take a time out. Cool, take your time out, take a break, get your break. A lot of you have said, hey, I've been serving for years, I just need to rest. Amen. Sabbath is important. Do it. Take that time. But when it's time to get back in, get back in. Get back into the vault. Get back in. But some of us are ministering. You're, you're actually part of our service team, but you don't know the plays. You're not engaged with the, with the same playbook. You don't know what we're supposed to bleed when we're cut in our core values. We're not all on the same page about what we believe and how we believe. We're not, and really our membership class is us all huddling together saying we're all in the same direction. We're all headed in the same place. And I know there's a big push against membership out there and stuff like this. This, isn't, this is honestly giving you the opportunity to hold eldership accountable to, to vote because it's not a congregation that can do that anymore in the United States because you can't just show up. Not everybody who sits in these chairs are Christians. But we want to say, hey, are you with us so that you can become part of what we do as accountability. Membership's that. And some of you are just kind of like, I want to I serve. And again, spiritual growth isn't linear. But some of you guys are serving. Thank you for serving. Take a step back. Come be part of the team. Come join up and be a part of what we're saying, where we're going, what we're doing. And just that's what membership's about. So there's some available membership classes coming up here. Again, signups are out in the connections area. Please. Join us. Be a part of that portion of the church. But maybe you need to go deeper than that. You've done all that. You're sitting around going, yeah, well, come on, spiritual girl. What do I do now? Where do I go here? And it's really, you know, maybe it's time for mentorship. One of the most important things that ever happened to me was somebody sat me down when I was in high school and said, I want to mentor you. And we grabbed an old navigator's thing and he sat down. I still have that old pamphlet in my office right now. Sat down, we worked through it. We didn't work through all of it apparently because I just got a lot of blank sheets. But we, we went through as much as we could. And there are some of you in the church right now who are sitting in these seats, men and women, who you've been Christians for many, many years, and you have walked and walked and walked, and you feel like you've just walked to the edge of the church, and you're looking over it. You're staring down. And you're going, there's just nothing left here for me. I don't have any further to grow. I've kind of come to the end of the church. You know, I've served a bunch. Maybe you're in leadership, and you're kind of looking around going, maybe, maybe the grass is greener over there. They got something that looks different. Can I encourage you before you go off to somewhere else to take a look behind you. Just turn around and look back at all the people, because there's a lot of people sitting in the church right now who are going like, where do I go next? How, 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 do, I, how, how, do, I, how do I help my kids? You know, I'm not having a devotional. I, I need some help here. Hey, you know, I've never really read the Bible before. Anybody can keep me accountable, challenge me on that. And men, I don't care how old you are, you don't have to be a seminarian to mentor somebody. Ladies, you don't have to be an old church lady to mentor somebody. What you need to be able to do is just turn around and pour your cup out for somebody else. 
We'll get you information. We'll give you the curriculum for the brain stuff. But Jesus did not say, go into seminary so that you may go into all the nations. He didn't say that. He said, go into the nations and make disciples. Some of you are perfectly ready to make disciples. You are capable And all you got to do is turn around, pour out your cup for somebody else who's just looking for somebody to care about them. The Spirit will disciple the people. You give them the information. You aid them forward. And they will be grown. But it needs to be these relationships. Maybe you need to turn around and and mentor. Maybe you need to step up and say, I need to be mentored. And And that makes our group so much more powerful. Men's, women's, small groups. These are places where we connect together as people. Hey, I get it. You probably, if you're a second service, so you guys are like, ah, we know first service, they all leave when we get here. We know third service, they all come when we're leaving. You know, you, you guys are like the in-connected group. But first service is like, who's the third service people? I didn't know the church was that big. Wow, you got that many people. I mean, how many times have I heard this? It's like third service people going, I just love it here because it's so small. I'm like, you know there are two services before you, don't you? And the reality is they're looking to be known. They want to be identified by name. They want to be identified by problem. They want to be identified. And that's what our small groups do. Guys, it's a place to be known. It's a place to be named. And no, they're not all the greatest places to get your discipleship and all that stuff down. If you've, got your, if you've been strengthened, if you've got your mentorship, you can step in and be a part of that. But let's be honest, sometimes we're in it, we're like, this is cheesy. That's what my group does. Let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes I'm not learning a darn thing. But you know what I'm getting? I'm getting known, I'm getting supported, I'm getting prayed for. Yes, we want to see you guys grow and learn, but guess what? When the emergency time comes, when the problem happens, the first line of defense is your group. They're there. They're with you. They want to be there with you. They're the person you can poke in the chest when they weren't there and go, where were you? And they go, I'm so sorry. Ah, They fall apart because you can You don't want somebody falling apart on Sunday morning. It's ugly. You just don't want that happening. But that's the place you connect in. That's the place that we have this opportunity to develop these groups. And so get engaged in a group. Get engaged in a small group. Get engaged. Take that next step. There's all these opportunities. Here's the bottom line. The staff, the elders, the leadership, your small group leader, no one in this church can make you grow spiritually. We will offer you every opportunity, but it's up to you to take the next step. It's up to you to take that, take that next step, to grow spiritually. And so it's put in your court in that way. And I want to challenge you guys that because there's even another. Maybe it's a different category for you. You're like, I am a spiritual giant. And you're like, sweet. Then maybe we need to take a next step in serving because there are steps involved in our service and serving as well. And we all know we should be serving, right? I mean, we do call it a church Silence. Church silence. Yes, that's what we call this here at Olive Branch. It's a church silence. No, it's a church service, which means we should be serving. And that's the idea behind the term. It's where we come together and we use our gifts and utilize them to serve each other. Sundays is not about, well, that volume level was not to my taste. You know, that sermon was not exegetically sound enough for me, and I just didn't laugh enough times. You know, those two doors in the back don't line up with the other two doors. It just doesn't make any sense. Anybody ever notice that? Anyway, so the point is simply that, yeah, exactly. As you leave, you're like, yeah, he's right. The point is that we're not here to critique. We're here to serve. We're here to give away to each other. 
And some of you guys have taken that first step. You're just serving. Maybe some of you need to take that first step. In fact, opportunity right there is found in your in your notes to take that first step. Whole, look inside. There's a whole volunteer step. And I want to encourage you guys in this because Romans chapter 12 verse 11 says, don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Okay, so don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Don't hold back. Initiate that step. Get moving. Be fervent in spirit. Keep bubbling up. Keep kind of going. Don't be Germans. Say, what? I was in Berlin, and we were in the, uh, the tube there on, on our way into deeper into Berlin, and we're standing there, and I swear, the Germans are all like this. They didn't look at each other. They didn't do anything. And this is the first, like, youth mission trip I'd ever gone on. I, I brought a couple of youth with me, and involved in that was, was this guy named Nick Barrientos, currently one of our New York missionaries out in New York. Who's, and he's got Argentinian blood in him, and, and Nick's like, you know, gets inside the subway, and he's like, hello! Germans, yeah! What is this cycle doing on the train? We must, don't look, he might go away. You know, and this is literally how the Berliners are. They're just like, you can see them all like, like tighten up. You know, it's just like, Nick, calm down. You're going to get us killed. No, what's that? Poking people. You're just like, whoa, just Nick. Fervent, zealous, German. You know, let's, let's, let's not be the German church, okay? I'm not saying that all of you are going to be like, yo, Germans! That's not what I'm saying. Some of you are not that way. Some of you are cerebral people, okay? Your fervency comes in your thoughts. Some of you are actional people. Your fervency comes in your doing. Others of you are emotional people, and your fervency comes out in your emotions and your worship in those places. Be fervent means get energized to take the next step. Don't be slothful. Don't sit around going, well, I could take the next step, but I'm just not going to watch the next episode of Person of Interest instead, you know? So, good show, by the way. Uh, the, <laughs> the point is simply that we want to be moving forward, not holding back, not being stuck. And so volunteering, just jumping in service, is a great way to start. And right there in your, in your bulletin is a whole list of ministry opportunities for people to take. Some of you guys are going like, cool, but I'm not interested in these things. Well, then maybe you should just move past serving and volunteering just to volunteer and get engaged with your giftedness. See, Ministry Match is designed for this for you. Ministry Match was designed by our team because we saw something that goes on. What happens is many people just serve to serve. And eventually you kind of get burned out. You're like, oh, I've tried serving. It's really boring. Well, if that's you and you're taking your break because you're like, I'm just serving to serve, take the step into understanding what your passion is. That's our first move in our ministry match class. We want to say, what's your passion? Some of you guys love prayer. Why aren't you in the prayer ministry? Some of you guys love youth. You're like, I love youth. I love youth. And people go, you're crazy. You just don't understand. You're all a bunch of big youth. So it's just the same thing here. Just bigger bodies. And youth are passionate. It's where people come to faith. It's where guys are transformed. Some of you love children because their minds are open. They believe in God. And you're like, I need that. Others of you are like, I love info. I want to give out info because you just, just want to be part of our connections team. Shaking hands, greeting people. Dan, you want to be Danny DeGroat because DeGroat knows everybody. Because he's ready to shake your hand. You probably, who met Danny this morning? Anybody meet Danny this morning? All right. 
And the reality is that that's your passion. And you're like, I love kids, I love kids, I love kids. And what's great is Stephanie's with you going, I love kids too. And everybody who doesn't love kids isn't a Christian. You know, that's how passionate she is about this. In the meantime, the the passion has to move though because not everybody's fit for the same thing with kids. People are like, I love kids, I just don't want to touch them. I want to help, but can I go somewhere that's incubated? And we go, yes, it's called the sound booth. They go, great. I want to love kids there. It's yes, it's called the worship team. Oh, I want to love kids there. Yes, it's called organization. Because some of you guys realize that you're gifted differently than others. You have a passion, but how are you shaped? How are you gifted? How has God endowed you? Because guess what? Some of us are like, the Holy Spirit is free and he's flowing. And then some of you guys are going, the Holy Spirit gave me administration. Uh, I feel like we're supposed to organize things. It's a gift. And guess what? Some of you guys who have the gift of administration and you love kids, you may have a, you have a place in youth. You have a place in children. You have a place in tech. You may not even want to touch a tech thing, but you're like, I'm gifted administration. I love this stuff. Boom, you're in. Some of you have a gift of leadership, but you just haven't engaged because you're like, oh, yeah. there's other leaders here. Really? Why are you here then? God gifted you to be here with the gift of leadership to serve. And so we go from passion. We move into your giftedness because we want to see if you can fit. And we help you find that right fit for the job that you are designed for. And I really, really believe that a lot of us have ignored ministry matches because you stopped at, quote, serving. Let's move on into passion and what your giftedness is and then step further into leadership. Some of you need to step down into leadership. And I mean that, down into leadership. See, in the church, you don't move up in leadership. You move down. I'm the head waiter. Trade me in and out for the other waiters. Our job is simply to teach the word of God and serve you guys. That's what we are. It's a service industry. When you step into leadership, it's not a step up in more superior power and greater, you know. No, it's, it's a step down into service, because Jesus put it this way. He sat down and called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. It has to be about everybody above us holding them. I hold my crew up, called the staff. The staff holds their crew up, called their leadership. The leadership holds you guys up, called their ministry teams. The ministry teams hold you guys up, part of the congregation, and on it goes. And it's just this big, heavy, elders all sitting at the bottom holding things up. And we're here to serve. And that's the goal. Maybe God's called you into the suffering of leadership. I mean, you mean that tongue in cheek, but it's a reality. And it's a beautiful thing. But it's a difficult thing. But don't not take that step. Finally, we've talked through the giving. We've talked through the spiritual development portion. We've now talked through serving Last one is some of us need to take a step in outreach. That's my family. We need to step forward in outreach. It's been our challenge this year is to really start connecting with our neighbors. And you know, it's simple. This isn't complicated for us. It's as easy as inviting them to church. Notice this from John. Philip had just met Jesus. He's all excited. Found Nathaniel, his friend, and said to him, we found him of whom Moses is in the law. And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I'm going to push back on you, buddy. And Philip said to him, come and see. 
simplest invitation I've ever seen. Guys, one of the most crazy things is you don't realize what you have. You go, I go to a place on Sundays, not just church. I go to a place, I get to help people. And man, I get pushed, I get challenged. My life gets better because of the people I'm around. And this is an incredible place. You know how many of our neighbors, though they may have a lot of money, though they may have a lot of opportunities, they don't have a group of people that are shaping and calling them out and growing them to greater people? And sometimes all you got to do is just share the testimony of what God has done in our lives or what a church is doing for us. And they go, well, where are you getting that? Come check it out. Those words, come check it out, is the simplest invitation you could ever give. And and that's an opportunity. It's something I'm going to be working on this year. The simple of, well, I don't need, do you know what you, come check it out. Just come check it out. But maybe you guys are going like, ah, I do that. I've said, come check it out enough times. I want to I actually be able to pray and see somebody give their life to Christ. Ah, it'd be awesome. Then you need Launchpad. Like I said, unless you're Greg Laurie, we all need Launchpad. Tongue in cheek. But if you're struggling with that place, you're like, how do I really explain the gospel? How do I really explain that Jesus Christ was my substitute? I was supposed to die on the cross, but Jesus took my place. I was supposed to suffer for my sins, but Jesus took my place. And then he rose from the dead so that I could have a new life. Oh my gosh, I, how do I explain that to my, my neighbor? How do I, he, when he throws all these questions at me, what do I do? And Launchpad, again, it's not about learning how to sneeze Jesus all over everybody. But it's an opportunity to, to have an engaged conversation. And develop that conversation in a real way to bring the message of the gospel to them. And so Launchpad may be that step for you. Or maybe it's that step that, that you need to take as it gets into outreach, which is the global. Step across the border. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just the U.S. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always the end of the age. Some of us need to take a step towards our global Christianity this year. Yes, local Christianity is good. Do it. Global Christianity, you can still do and not have to leave. Say, how? S- support the missionaries. Support them in prayer. Support them with, with your finances. Support them and enable them to do the job that they, they can do out there because they have been called to go. They can't go if we don't stay in support well. Maybe it's adopting a kid. Maybe it's getting engaged in a ministry that literally attaches you to an unreached people group who's at the universities. We have given, we're opening the doors of opportunity so you can be a global Christian here in Corona. And yes, some of you will be called to make that ultimate move to see the gospel go to a nation that otherwise isn't hearing about Jesus yet. And I'm not saying that's your step. Some of you guys are going, phew, phew. Others of you guys are going, I want that to be my step this year. Good. But take a step. What is it? See, giant visions can't happen in giant leaps. They happen by one step at a time. You talking to a neighbor who comes to church them taking a step to starting point, you discipling that neighbor in Christ, them taking that step into serving, you taking your step into whatever's next. Imagine that, every single person doing that. 
how that stacks on top of each other, not just to change a church, but to begin to make an impact street by street, home by home, workplace by workplace, for the kingdom of God. What is your next step? Challenge you to take it. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we pray that you would indeed just show us. Show us now what our next step is and allow us to take that faithfully. We understand that the responsibility is laid on our shoulders. It is not our job to, to entrust our growth to our church, to our leadership, but God, it's our job to trust you and where you lead us. Spirit, convict us and move us to that first or next step that we need to take. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.